Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And man, it's so great having you guys in our incredible community. And I just wanted to reach out to everybody as you're listening. And just let you know, um, Steve and I are really focused. Our audience has grown by about 50% uh, over the last uh, six or seven months. And we would love to hear from you, John at eternalleadership.com or Steve at eternalleadership.com. And let us know um, what you would like to either hear on the podcast. What are the kind of episodes that you're hearing that are the ones that you're just really tuning in for? What are some of the ones that, you know, you, you move on to another podcast, either it's based on what, whatever it happens to be. We would love to hear. We just want to keep making this better. It's here to serve you. And um, with that said, I want to introduce you guys to Mike Henry Sr. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So I got introduced to you, Mike, by two very dear friends of mine, Dale Young down in Texas and Richard Ryerson, because they know our heart here uh, about bringing our faith into the marketplace that I personally feel, you know, the business world is my mission field. And uh, Dale and Richard are like, man, you have to talk to Mike. He started follower of one and he's just mobilizing Christ followers into full-time ministry right where they're working. And that's what you're doing today, isn't it, Mike? Yes. You're trying anyway. <laughs> trying. So it's really exciting, everybody. We're going to have a great conversation today. I was talking with Mike beforehand, and and actually we've, we've talked before, before we set this up. And Mike has a long business career in IT and operations, and probably like many of us, just felt like, you know, how do I actually bring my faith into this environment, right? Yes. Operations, IT, I mean, you're you're talking about some pretty, you know, a lot of hard skills in there and very task oriented type environments. Through that, you started follower of one. So you're long term. Uh, how long have you been married now? You and Vicky? 36 years. 36 years, two kids, three grandkids. Right. So lots of great stuff. And you guys can connect with Mike on any platform and uh, just look for Mike Henry Sr. SR at Mike Henry SR. So Mike, here's what I'd like to do uh, sure. is have you just kind of go back and just walk through your journey and talk about the times where you, you became aware that, you know, I'd really like to bring my faith in here. And then what that looked like is either it felt like to you like it succeeded or failed. And what led you through your business career to get to this point where you've created Follower of One, which is now becoming this global community for people who really want to lead while following Jesus in the marketplace. So why don't okay. you, yeah. It kind of began when I first became a Christian. So I became a Christian at age 30. I had been out of college for a few years. At the time, I thought I was a Christian. I used to tell people that I was a Christian, but um, I was really kind of a born in America Christian. I, I wasn't any other religion and I hadn't killed anyone. <laughs> and so I felt like I was a Christian. But after several years out of college, my career wasn't working the way I hoped it would. Eventually, I started getting frustrated with life. Work wasn't working very well. My wife, who was a Christian, had become to realize that really I just was a Christian in name only. And so uh, she was trying to get me to go to church. And I decided in one year to check out church. And if it didn't work, then I could tell my wife, no, I wasn't going to go back. 
And that fall, they had a man come to town and teach a workshop on how you can take a pocket Bible and show someone how they could know for a fact that they were going to heaven. And so as part of my investigating church, I went to that seminar and learned not only this gospel presentation, but that's when I first trusted Jesus and realized that it wasn't how good I was that got me into heaven. It was what Jesus did that got me into heaven. And um, that was on a Saturday afternoon. And Sunday morning was great at church. And I'm, I'm all excited now because I'm learning all these new things about, about God. And then Sunday afternoon came and I got this pit in my stomach because I had to go back to this job I didn't like. Mm. And we wasn't long after that, you know, I heard a, a missionary or somebody say, well, you know, we felt called into full-time ministry. And every day I'm asking God to get me out of this particular job, put me in a ministry, God, I want to be in a ministry. And, you know, would you please call me to be a full-time minister somewhere? And the answer that I felt like I got both then and for the decades since was, okay, Mike, you're a minister, now get back to work. You know, I kept trying to figure out, well, God, why won't you call me to some foreign country or let me go to work for a church? Mm-hmm. And my skills were in the business world. My, you know, we had so already... It sounds like you had this confusion that exactly. real ministry is more of what we would call vocational ministry, right? Being a a missionary working in a church Mm -hmm. in some capacity, either part-time or full-time, right? Like, uh, you know, when you think of how Bill Bright uh, talks about the seven mountains of culture, if Mm -hmm. people out there are familiar with it, right? We have the, if you almost think of these spheres of influence, we have the church is one business, Mm -hmm. family, government, arts and education, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I do, I think there's this perception that if, unless you are like actively working, spending your time and operating inside that church mountain, so to speak, right? Yes. That is only where ministry does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think what I know what everybody's going to hear is, and this is, I think the role of the church is you go to that mountain to get equipped, to get inspired, to get refueled, to go out and then do ministry in those other areas, whether it's working as an officer in the U.S. Army, whether it's a teacher at a you know a school in Rwanda, whether it's a computer programmer at a startup here in Denver, I believe some of those areas are some of the most neglected mission fields in the world. There's some companies out here that is just as bereft of of anybody who is a believer mm-hmm. as some of these undiscovered people groups in the world, Mike. Yes. yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. And one of my board members even said, you know, maybe the largest uh, unreached people group are the people who live in these Christian nations, but don't trust Jesus because we're not really doing a whole lot to reach those people. We think our nation's already reached. Well, yeah, we think our nation's reached. And I think deep down, there's a lot of people that because of the Christians they know, their their understanding of the nature of God and what it means to actually follow Christ is, is very, basically, they've been rendered completely ineffective. They have been yes. sidelined by what's happening in the world and in, in the culture. Yes. And that's a victory, you know, against you know, building a kingdom. But what Mm -hmm. you're talking about is, hey, how do we go in and in the world that we have, 
make a difference. So here's a question for you though. So, so you're thinking Mike about all, like, here's all these traditional things that I could do, should do, might want to do. How did you connect the dots for yourself saying, you know what, maybe this work you're doing in either IT or operations, I mean, the job that you had actually could be a mission field. I'm guessing that maybe was a radical thought at first. Oh yeah. Well, it took a lot of years. Unfortunately, it took me a lot longer probably than it should have. But one of the key stories for me was uh, right after 9-11. I had struggled for years. So there were several years that passed in between when I first became a Christian and when 9-11 happened. But at the time that 9-11 had occurred, I had spent four or five years working mostly on my career. The idea that I worked for Jesus hadn't been so front in my mind because I was very involved in the telecom boom. I was making more money than I had ever made when 9-11 occurred. But I started realizing that, you know, 9-11, when we're sitting around watching TV and we're watching the rescue efforts going on and the building smoldering, Mm. I remember thinking, okay, God, I remember when you told me that my job is to be a minister in the workplace, and I confess I haven't done that very well for the last few years. So what are we going to do this time? This time, are you going to take me out of there and put me in the ministry, or are you going to leave me in there? And when we got to go back to work the following Monday, I remember driving to work and thinking, okay, well, you're not getting me out of there today. So what can I do today? And the idea was, is that I would just walk through the office and pray for the people that I worked with. And so I started every morning as I was driving to work, I would mentally walk through the office and I would pray for each person as I passed their desk. And it wasn't long before things started happening. Hmm. They asked me to, a bunch of them asked me to join the gym. And I hadn't been in a gym probably in a decade at the time. And come to find out they needed an eighth person to get the corporate discount. But it gave me an opportunity to go be around these people that I worked with more. And I I remember thinking after they left my office, I remember thinking, okay, God, if you'd asked me to go to the bar with them, I'd have gone. And so I guess I better go to the gym. And God's (laughs) sense of humor just put me to work in the lives of people because I was praying for them and started appreciating them and started having dialogue with them about, what they believed about things. And it was just great to see God reacting to my passion to do something. Now, think about that. You're, you know, whether it's the gym or even the bar, Mm -hmm. right? Going out and having, I think, right? Like if I go out and I'm in an environment like that, Mm -hmm. you can keep the conversation. I got to tell you, here's my approach. And I'd love to, you know, your thoughts on it too, is what I'm trying to do, especially as I'm getting to know somebody, Mm-hmm. is just build a connection. I'm not there to witness. I'm honestly, it's not my agenda, and this is me, to witness to them, mm-hmm. right? But I do want to let them know, you know, what I talk about is how amazing, you know, 30 years of marriage, right? And we've had mm-hmm. ups and downs and my kids and stuff that I've gone through and the importance of my faith. And all. And here's what I have found. The, the best way to even open the door is all of us have a personal story. And I have found that when you're good at just telling your story, how you, you know, how faith is important to me, right? Mm -hmm. And here's kind of the story behind that. I won't share the whole thing. Well, it kind of depends, but I'll share just a little bit, right? You know what? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I had this accident and I ended up being in the hospital for two years and 
if it wasn't for God directly intervening in me being in his presence, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be here. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it makes people curious or you could, you know, like a friend of mine who lost everything, lost every penny, uh, was a, was an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. He shares this kind of this story of redemption in God's hand. He does it in such a beautiful way. And I have another friend of mine, as he gets to know people, what the question that he loves to ask Mike is, you know, you're getting to know somebody and you just say, hey, Mike, you know, question for you. You know, just where are you at spiritually? And it just opens mm-hmm. the door to bring in the conversation to a level deeper in a comfortable way where you're still building the relationship. Because I think you have to connect mm-hmm. before you pull and I, I don't know, I like your thoughts on it, because I think sometimes there's a notion that it's our job to actually, in the marketplace, to go in and actually share the gospel, right? To be mm-hmm. in this kind of um, evangelical mode. And yeah. there's a lot of us that are not wired that way. It's not a comfort zone for us, but we can be just as effective as a witness when we're not in that mode. But what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I, I think we kind of dropped the ball when we immediately jump to the thought that we have to speak to someone about our faith, mm-hmm. we have to live a life when we live and experience God's joy. And when we walk trusting him in our workplace, then it becomes God's challenge to make us visible, make himself visible through us to our coworkers. And so being interested in people and praying for people and being someone who can give away a chunk of my life, so that I can get to know other people. I think that's more compelling than just about anything. Today, most people who don't trust Christ can establish their own life and create everything as a counterfeit to our faith. So we've chosen to go spend our spare time in the church. They've chosen to go spend their spare time someplace else. We live a particular way. They live a particular way. There's no difference until we live differently, until we live experiencing joy and giving our lives away, they don't see anything different. And so there's no reason to listen. So is there a time as you've, you know, built this awareness around this and you were working to do that in the marketplace uh, where, man, it just didn't like, felt like, okay, that didn't work out very well, or boy, that didn't feel good or uh, a period of time where you learned like maybe how to do this a little differently or better? Um, so there were a couple of times where my first management role, I was a bad boss. I had all kinds of difficulty with the stress of the leadership position and the pressure that I was under to perform. And the lessons that I learned from that, I actually learned years later if any of those people are listening to this podcast, they're going, Mike Henry, that's not the Mike Henry I know. Mm. And it's because of the way I lived. I, my own approach to tasks and the way that I reacted to stress was an obstacle in my relationship with people when it came to my faith because I wasn't living like I trusted God. And so, yeah, I, part of my leadership story is I spent a couple of years, maybe even more than that, as a really bad boss. And, uh, and had to learn some things the hard way. So when you say you're a, a bad boss, what, what are some of those things that you became aware of that you knew that you had to change, Mike? I let some of the pressure of the workplace go through to the other people. And I let the stress of the job make me uh, drive people too hard and be too task-oriented. 
I just recently listened to a great book called Rare Leadership, and the authors in the book talk about our brains operate on joy or fear. And when I got task focused, I operated mm. on fear. And I was so task focused, I never, I, the relationships were secondary. And when I operate on joy, when I trust God and operate on that joy, I would be more relational oriented. In that job, I had sent a truck driver to another city. We were mm -hmm. in the over the road trucking business and he had to stay out for an extra day because of some complication in the load that we had. And when I told him I needed him to stay an extra night, he said, Mike, I'd be happy to stay an extra night. But my wife's in the hospital and I, she's getting out tomorrow and I need to pick her up from the hospital. I didn't even know his wife was in the hospital. And I was convicted by that. But I said, look, I can get your wife home from the hospital. And so I made arrangements that next day to get his wife home from the hospital and take care of her so that he could do the job. But I didn't even know that was going on. And I was just so convicted by that. But God gave me an opportunity to make a difference in their life and do something. And so I felt like I'd do it. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something I think is important, right? The transactional, the task-oriented nature mm -hmm. of getting business done and the building the relationships, getting to know people, you know, I mean, really who they are, right? Mm -hmm. About their wives, about their kids, about their own dreams and goals. And how did you strike a balance between those two of being very relational, right? Getting to, you know, know your people so into them. You know, I almost look at my role in the marketplace as almost discipling, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to help people develop into the best version of themselves. As I'm working with somebody in coaching, I always kind of uh, approached everybody who worked either around me, peers, or my direct reports from this coaching perspective, asking a lot of questions, um, but you also have to get the work done, right? So there has to mm -hmm. be this balance, doesn't there? Yes. Um, I, you know, the focus on relationships means that the corrective action is done differently. I can't just sharply react to someone and say, you have to go make that right. We, I want to have a conversation to where people choose to do the right thing because they understand the mission and who we are. And so it takes a little more time and it takes uh, patience and it takes a willingness to trust God with how I interact with people and to stop and think and not react, um, not act out of temper. Uh, and, it, and it requires, it's, I, it's definitely always, I think, more work to get to know people and figure out how they feel appreciated, how, what energizes them so that they want to do a good job and they want to be engaged versus, you know, trying to create a fear and stress environment where everyone feels like they have to. I love that. Now, everybody, the website is followerofone.org. And in there, and you, we've already talked about, you actually talk about the five steps to really um, become a marketplace missionary. The first one is pray. Mm -hmm. And you talked about constantly, you know, praying for business decisions you know, what's going on, the work that's to be done, and for the people. Yes. Step two is really appreciating the people, getting to know them, understand, you know, their situations, their hopes and dreams. I, I really think it's one of our biggest, 
one of the biggest gifts we can give somebody is to help them in conversation align some of the, you know, what's important to them, right? Their mm-hmm. values, their, you know, their goals, maybe their mission with that mission and vision of where we're working the organization. Because when people can see where there's that alignment, um, they're going to show up very differently. You know, it changes the context about work versus a something that I have to go do versus mm-hmm. something I get to do because I see what it does, you know, for them long-term, right? And that, yes. that, that can completely change the culture of an organization. And step three is know what you believe. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to that a little bit? Sure. That's, um, I need to be able to explain my faith in a way that doesn't sound crazy to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Um, I, when I say know what I believe, I want to be able to articulate what I believe about God in the first person. I want to be able to just say, well, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, similar to what you explained early on. I think many of us who don't take our role in the workplace as a, as a witness, we don't see that as, as part of our responsibility. We don't think much about what we believe. Uh, often when I ask people, well, why do you follow Jesus they give me an answer like, well, because he loves me. And people who don't know Jesus don't understand what we're talking about when we say something like that. Right. And so I encourage us to be able to articulate this to someone. Imagine that they think of Jesus as being the equivalent to Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. Now, how do you explain why you follow one? How do you explain that, Mike? Well, my life wasn't working. And so in listening to the preacher and the Bible one day, I made a choice to decide that Jesus was right and listen to him in the Bible as for guidance on the way that I live. And my life was changed. I was, became a totally different person that day and I was aware of it. And since that time I started following him. I try and do what he says. Um, I talk to him regularly and I believe he's alive. And when when that leads to the next level of conversation, mm-hmm. um, what I found with people is really what you were doing there was sharing your story. And I think mm-hmm. when we share our story, you know, it's it's hard to argue with. But if yes. we come across as judgmental, because you know, there's people in the workplace that for sure might not share our core beliefs, our core values. Mm-hmm. And here's, a, you know, here's a challenge I always put out for people is how well do you do having, you know, either working alongside or having conversations with people that you feel don't share your values? Because unfortunately, and I think it's been driven by some of the politics here in America and the culture as it's shifted, is we have a tendency to put everybody immediately into a box, right? If I say that I have this belief on a certain like social issue or that Mm -hmm. I am for this candidate or that, you know, candidate in the political realm, we immediately put up like, oh, you're this kind of person, right? And that's not true. You can't just put this blanket across everybody. And so here's the challenge I put out is what if you went out and found somebody that you feel like you have nothing in common with and you don't agree with who they are, how they even think, Mm -hmm. but you go and have coffee with them. And when I have found, when I go and do that, Mike, there's Mm -hmm. always some little point that we can actually develop a relationship on in a conversation because 
here's what I believe. It's those people. When Think about Jesus walking down the street and going in talking to the tax collector, the, the prostitutes. I mean, all these folks, right? If he was walking down the street today and there is a church plant and a ministry on this side, on one side of the street and across the street is a bar that, you know, is just, you know, you know, a crazy place, right? Mm-hmm. Where all these people are gathered. He would walk right into that bar and say hello to people. Yes. And, and he would develop great relationships and have deep, meaningful conversations with people. And he would encourage them and exhort them and add value to their lives. And I agree. That, and that, I really think that is a big part of starting to develop influence in a culture. And they're like, wow. I've had people even say to me, like, you know what? You're not like other Christians I've met, you know, mm-hmm. people that are, you know, certain backgrounds, right? They've been judged, mm-hmm. condemned, criticized their entire life, where they feel like, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't go to a church because I don't want to be around people that are just mean spirited. That's kind of their perception, yes, that's right? Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And we get a chance to change that. And when I, I think it's a high compliment when people go, "You're not like other people I've met." Yes, and I'm like, well, the only thing I know how to share at that point. Mm-hmm. is about Jesus, the person of Jesus, who God is, all this other stuff I can't speak to, how other people have applied this, but that's the only thing I can talk about is yeah. is the, the truth of who Jesus really is and what he's done in my life. And then I'm just hoping that leads to the next level of conversation with them. I agree. Because that all flows into the step four that you have, and that's to serve others. It doesn't say serve other people that believe like you do. Serve other people that are, you know, all in on, you know, doing good work, right? Right. Or even all in on being a great employee. Exactly. uh, You know, oftentimes what I've seen is the reason somebody's showing up and they see it as just a job and, you know, they're doing the minimum to get by, there is, there's always a reason. Mm-hmm. And if I can actually develop a relationship and serve them, you know what? I can actually help them improve how they feel about coming to work, which improves maybe how they're feeling outside of work. Or, you know, maybe the whole reason is they got some stuff going on in their life that's just brutal. They don't even want to talk about. But if I can just help them a little bit, add some value, help them become better at what they do, develop a relationship man, that you now become maybe that one person in their life that they've really been looking for. I agreed. In fact, you know, one of the key things about the workplace is we don't get to choose who we are sitting next to or who our customer is or who our vendor is. Oftentimes we interact with the people that we come across because it's part of our job. And so my responsibility, I believe, is to serve all of those people. Uh, that's based on Mark ten forty five. Jesus said, you know, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so that's what my job is, is to serve people. Yeah. And now step five is to speak for yourself. When you say mm-hmm. speak for yourself, what, what do you mean by that? Well, very similar to what you said, right? I, I encourage people to use I and me statements and to be able to, so when I talk about know what you believe, I encourage people to practice it, to think about it so that they can answer in a conversation, but not to start speaking about it. The next step is to serve people. And after we serve people, then people ask us, well, why are you doing this? 
why did you agree to stay late? Or why did you ask me to forgive you for gossiping or something like that? And then the answer needs to be a first person answer. Speak for myself. I'm going to tell them I'm doing this because of who I follow and what I believe. And it's all in the first person. I'm not trying to tell them how to live their life. I'm just explaining the choices that I've made. Yeah. Now you've done something really cool as you've put all these kind of principles and there's a lot of teaching that you provide behind these different areas. Mm -hmm. And you were kind of struck at one point about all these mission trips that we take all over the world that we sign up, we go build an orphanage, we go work with a ministry in, you know, another part of the world in the inner, inner city. But you had this idea to say, hey, what if we actually did a marketplace mission trip right where, you know, right in your life right now, right to where you work? And let's just for a period of time shift our focus very intentionally. And so what is a, first of all, what is a marketplace mission trip? And this is a big part of what you're doing at Follower of One. Yeah, so... Uh, we encourage people to answer the question, how would a missionary do your job? Um, This all came out of a conversation I had with a pastor over a decade ago. And my question to the pastor was, well, how can I help? And he said, we really need people to go on this Mexico mission trip because when people go on a mission trip, they kind of come back fired up. They get it. And I said, I I felt like I got it. And I was driving 30 miles a day at that time in my commute. And I said, how is that not a mission trip? And, uh, you know, last year I was telling a friend that story and he said, well, why don't you do a virtual mission trip? And uh, Jim Brangenberg was the one who said, well, it's not virtual. It's a real mission trip. So we stopped calling it a virtual mission trip because it is a real mission trip. You decide for two weeks that you're going to your workplace and you're going to minister to people. And we send out an email every day. In fact, we're in the middle of one right now. We send out an email every day that's an encouragement for you on how you go into the marketplace. And then the second week, which is like the real trip, we have conference calls at night where we talk about the things that happened. And um, it's just turned out to be much more even than I thought. We've done now over the course of this year, we've done 208 people have gone on these mission trips, 140 different people. 31 people have done more than one of them and 150 different people total. So uh, where we've gone to work, just trying to find ways to minister to our coworkers like we would minister to people if we were on a mission trip. And we've had some really great stories of things that have happened. Awesome. Well, I'd love to hear some of the stories. One of the stories is a friend went into a business meeting early on Wednesday morning and was immediately confronted by a peer about a project that she was working on. But because she was on the mission trip, she said, Mike, I'm I'm thinking that I'm on the mission trip, so I'm not going to react the way I normally would. Normally, I would respond back very sharply and kind of shut this down. But instead, I chose to listen and say thank you and just let God speak through all that and let it go. And later that day, she was in the company gym in the yoga class and there was only one other person only the teacher in that class with her and in walked the other person from the morning meeting and the two of them had a much warmer conversation and a much better relationship as a result of the choice that she had made in the morning nothing really changed other than the fact that you know she didn't create this rift in the relationships with people 
because she was listening to God instead of, you know, acting the way she normally would. So that's just one of the stories. We had another story about a friend who found a, a Dr. Pepper sitting out in the break room that he could have taken. It was in an area where he knew he could take it. He was getting ready to go on drive home and he thinks, well, I, great, I get to Dr. Pepper's, I'm going home. But then he remembered he was on the Marco Boys mission trip and he thought about a coworker who also liked Dr. Pepper. So he took that drink and went and put it on the other person's desk. And, uh, you know, wasn't seen doing it by the person, but was seen by someone else who asked him about it the next day. And so he just got to explain about it that way. Lots of people have been challenged to give things away or to go above and beyond the call, stay late at work. Those are some of the ideas that we just kind of promote during the week. And everybody seems to be engaged and energized by this activity. And many people kind of commit that they want to keep it going. That's awesome. Because really, the foundation here is you're really just bringing front of mind that I'm here as an ambassador of Christ. I'm going to pray for my coworkers, friends, customers, anybody that you're interacting with in the workplace. Um, you're opening yourself up for, for God to show you ways to bless, encourage them, maybe maybe make some changes, right? Like, mm -hmm. wow, I, I wouldn't have thought of the fact that, you know, my habits are to react when mm -hmm. something isn't going well versus changing and listening and helping somebody, which improves my relationships because we have to have better relationships, right? Uh, if yes. we're going to have more influence. Exactly. And once we have more influence, then we have this ability to impact the culture, how work is done, for people to say, okay, wow, there's been a change in Mary. That's different. I'm going to watch and see if this was something temporary or long-term. And as things, as I believe, you know, as you bring that in and you are changing yourself and how you're showing up, then that just creates this uh, attraction where people, you know, want to be in a friendship with you yes. at work. And you know what? And I think a lot of the, the think about, this is an interesting point. Somebody thought about the other day. One of the things that we do is, we call it the Monday morning culture, right? And that mm -hmm. is, I, I read, an, uh, it was from monster.com. It was like 68% of Americans on Sunday night when they're thinking about the week ahead, literally have a physical or emotional, like, you know, some trauma going on, anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, upset stomach, right? Yeah. And what would it take to, you know, wake up on Monday morning excited to go to work? The first one is, I think, you know what, you need to know you have a boss that, you know, believes in you. They have your back. They're invested in you and your success mm -hmm. versus you being seen as a tool for their, either their agenda or the task that they have to get done. But another big part of that is we all like to go to places and we're looking forward to it when we know we're going to go and spend time with people we have a friendship with. And how many of us actually have friendships at work where I'm like, man, I can't, I'm so looking forward to going to work. I'm going to get to spend time with Mike during the week. And you know what? So I'm, I'm looking forward to it versus right. This just yes. being discouraged. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, you know, it's some, a lot of simple things, but I think when we are just walking with him and that's front of mind and that's what the marketplace mission trip does is it just kind of changes our focus during the day that God is here. He is operating. He is part of this mundane day-to-day -day stuff. Maybe as I'm managing a, a project for software development, 
right? Mm -hmm. I might not have ever thought of that before, even tried to connect the dots on where, what's God's role in the fact that we have this huge deliverable and these short timelines and an entire, you know, process and project and people we have to manage. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it changes every interaction, right? When somebody's, when a, when a customer is chewing you out because you didn't do what you were supposed to have done, God's reaction, God, the reaction I believe God would have us make in that is different, I think, than we would do personally or individually for most of us. And I think he takes every interaction that we have then when we give it to him and he makes it different. So as we kind of wrap up, Mike, so it is followerofone.org. If people want to get uh, in touch with you, your organization, and you can get in touch with Mike at, at Mike Henry Senior SR mm -hmm. um, on all the social media platforms. But just what are some final thoughts here as we, we kind of wrap up? Well, yeah, I just want to help people try this out. And the, the mission trips are free. There's an online community that we've also created to kind of help people continue to rub elbows with others who are trying to do the same thing so that we don't have to do this on our own. Many of us don't work in a workplace that makes that easy. But our goal and follower of one is to equip every workplace believer to see themselves as a full-time missionary right where they are. Our boss is Jesus, and we become a great co-worker when we take that attitude. And then the other people want to take more part in the business and bring more energy to work when they have a friend who's a, you know, who's a Christ follower, a missionary in that workplace. And so I'm just, I'm grateful that God's given me the opportunity to work some of this out in my career while we were figuring it out. It wasn't always that easy, but right now I'm having a lot of fun because we help people do this every day and I'm getting to do it every day. And so this way I put Christ into everything that I do and it changes my actions and my behavior. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I really encourage people to plug into what Mike is doing. Sign up for this, do this marketplace mission trip, do it yourself in a community. And then you can share that with your friends and imagine just, I mean, you, you've had hundreds of people go through this and just imagine a world where we have thousands or tens of thousands of people that just have front of mind as they walk into work that I'm here to follow Christ, to represent him, to do my best work here, right? Because I really think, you know, we're called, mm -hmm. regardless of what we've been tasked to do, to do our best work, to go the extra mile, to do things that are even outside of our job responsibility, to help the organization, to serve other people. And when we start showing up like that and we're bringing God in, it's amazing the miracles that, that can happen, the transformation of culture, the transformation of relationships, and also the transformation of results for an organization that can all be pointed back to God working in that environment. And he wants to. That I believe in my heart that that is his desire to, is to be in every sphere that we operate in, not just at church on Sunday morning or at, you know, dinner time with the family. Yeah. No, I, I'm grateful that you let me be on here and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do what we're doing. So any way we can help any believer make a difference in their workplace, we're down for that. Well, thank you, Mike. Keep up the, the great you. work. Keep knocking them alive, my friend. Okay. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. And same to you.